What's going on, guys? AJ here back again, bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. I want to talk about the Great Resignation. Now, I want to talk about the Great Resignation because not that it's a hot topic, not because it's something that a lot of people are inquiring, you know, perspectives and thoughts around, because I'm becoming more educated around it. And because I think, I think an employee's first mindset, operationally, Tactically, policy-wise, um, accountability-wise, uh, could really could really help. And let's just call it what it is: people are leaving companies at scale, and and it's and you know what's interesting? You know, through the Great Depression and through other things that we thought COVID was going to bring, folks were getting laid off, folks were getting fired, folks were not able to feed their families and the government had to step in. Now what we're seeing 22, 23 months later, we're seeing folks leave companies, leave money on the table, do whatever it is they're doing to, 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 to survive their rent or BG, neither car notes, their gas, their food, whatever they're doing, um, they're doing it and they're walking away from companies. So, I want to talk about that. I want to give some thoughts and I want to share some perspective. So I think what, I, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to power through six reasons I think this is happening. Six, guys. Um, six reasons that I think this is happening and a bit of context for each. I'm going to start with a psychologically driven one for the very first one. I don't think organizations were ready. And this is what I mean. I think when, the COVID, when, when COVID-19 first made its mark, and made its impact. If we really want to be honest with ourselves, there was a six to eight month period of time where individuals had a moment to breathe, had a moment to reflect, had a moment to be silent within the brain because of the because of the pressures of of leisure was not even in the question. Now I know there was a lot of psychology like you know and, and neuroscience like and emotional like depression and fear and anxiety happening which definitely does not make the brain feel good but just along with that which I'm not poo-pooing I'm not ignoring that but there wasn't there wasn't clubs there wasn't there was not movies there was not sports there was not um there were there were not distractions in life there was not physical work there was not school and so were you over-indexed in being home with family and being fearful of catching something or, or getting something, contracting something that is not good for you, there was also a, a peaceful element of life not being what we all knew it, knew it to be just six to eight months prior. And so inevitably, my punchline is this, for six to eight months, the brain was silent. And what that did is it allowed people to really reflect and think reflect and think about what they want out of life, reflect and think about what they're looking to obtain, reflect and think and double down on how, how quick life can be taken away from you, reflect and think on how much they would love to support their families in different ways. And, and, and one of those ways being being around family more, seeing family more. I think a lot of folks really reflected off of career goals and ambitions and there's a, there's a lot more, right? And so I think organizations were not ready 
for thousands upon thousands. And now if you look at it over the course of scale, millions, the workforce, the organizations and the brands that make up this force and support this force, I don't think they were ready. I don't think a CFO, a COO, a head of people, managers, leaders, founders, CEOs, I don't think we were, we were ready to deal with thousands, quite literally thousands of human beings waking up, being quote unquote woke and realizing what they were looking to obtain and have and experience in life that may be different than what it was six to eight months prior. And when I mean they weren't ready, I mean they weren't ready to navigate those one-on-ones. They weren't ready to execute an employee's first mindset. They were not ready, and I'm gonna start with number five now, they were not ready to make sure that DE&I were actually inside of the organization operationally, aka the initiatives needed to be a lot more than just gender and color. And even with gender and color and background, they were not operationalizing that work at scale. And so when the, with, with the combination of the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and COVID all turning into this big clusterfuck of a tornado, organizations did not have the, 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 the metal beams of the orgs, the operational workings and frameworks to support that storm. They were not operationally ready. So that's number one and two right there. They weren't ready for a mass amount of human beings to be psychologically peaceful and safe and really think about what they want their future to look like long-term and how those things needed to be talked about and strategized against. Because if you literally have 150 people in your organization within a six-month period of time come to you and say they want to do something radically different with their career or with their finances or what type of support they need, or the way that they're working needs to be different due to certain personal perspectives. Organizations do not have the trainings and the managers and the leadership to react to that. And then again, DEI was not even a part of the operational fabrics. Number four, employees were not, were not feeling appreciated. Quite literally. There were certain divisions inside of organizations that were literally bending over backwards, learning a new skill, applying that skill, and doing work at scale. And organizations were not doing a good job of, at the most simple level, showing their employees through actions, not through words, not through internal comms at a macro level of emails and pat on the backs, but by true operational elements. If you have folks working late, doubling down on how much extra they're paying them. If you have folks risking their literal lives, giving them the power to, you know, communicate how they wanted the workflow to go, communicate how they wanted the experience physically in that moment to go so that they would feel safe and comfortable. You were putting them in these boxes. You were giving them very little space to navigate flexibility. So they were feeling unappreciated. Number three, they were, they were feeling like managers were falling short of, their, of, of what a manager should be in this moment. Managers were not being trained around employee preferences. Managers were not being trained around how to retain their team members, around understanding their team members and putting, in, putting an employee's first mindset on. You know, managers were not trained on having the tough conversations and fostering a personal relationship with folks doing the George Floyd situations, doing the different complexities and nuances of the, of, of the perspectives that many folks had as it pertained to, to COVID-19 and the policies that would come after. 
Managers were not trained on how to really support personal growth in a contextual manner. Managers were not trained of how to recognize and celebrate team members contextual to the way they wanted to be, recognizing the fact that folks needed to be celebrated, folks needed to be appreciated because every other part of their life was so dormant and so odd and so sad and weird and, and confusing. And at times, their work was all they could hold on to. And finally, folks were not, managers were not trained on how to give more candid and caring feedback when it came to performance and being flexible when it came to reform, performance reviews during this time. I know of organizations, including my own, that did not even give a shit about the performance in a micro level during these tough moments. How am I, who am I to judge why your partnership design or your sales numbers are down and you're my number one guy? Who am I to judge when you're an African-American male and you're dealing with the George Floyd situation and so many other things COVID related that your performance is dropping? Who am I to judge? Who am I to think of, think of that in a, in, 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 in a, in a business first you know, mindset? Who am I to judge? Who am I to not provide flexibility within that, within that structure? Who am I to not appreciate and support you more and give you what you needed? Last thing. Last two things. I apologize. Companies were not providing the, flexible, the flexibility employees needed. Straight up. All of this could have been solved and could still be solved with an employee's first mindset. Go directly to your employees and say, here's what we define as flexibility. You tell us how you define flexibility. You tell us what you need when it comes to flexibility. You tell us how we can support you in a one-on-one -on -one level and teaching our managers that are managing eight or 12 people to be managing those one-on-one -on -one experiences. And then over time, as we aggregate and look at the data across the org, you as a, an, an entire employee base of 500, you tell us how we need to react and live into flexibility and what flexibility means for you and how it looks and what it shows up like operationally and tactically. It blows my mind. It blows my mind how we're not asking about working days and hours as we switched into a, as we switched into a, a remote first environment. You know, my, you know, my fiance, and, and, and her friends are first and second and third year teachers. Why weren't, why weren't the teachers, and, I'm, and I mean this quite literally, why weren't the teachers at the front doorsteps of the overall workflow structures, timing structures, execution structures that every single teacher would execute against? And what I mean by that is why weren't teachers in charge of the way that their days went operationally when supporting those children, behind the scenes, teaching styles, class format, formats. Why weren't the teachers at, the, at, at stewarding that strategy? Why were we not letting employees decide location? Still today. I don't understand what is there to question. Do not worry about your neighbor business or company. When I think about retention, I think about the people I have now. I'm about to get married, guys. I'm not thinking about my recruiting strategy of the next girl. I'm doing every single tactic 
and best practice proactively to make sure I retain my woman now and forever. Why aren't we looking at our employees that way? I'm being totally serious. Why are we not looking at our employees that way? And so I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really struggling with organizations that are not understanding how to go about even the COVID-19 policies now. Contextualize it to your organization, period, point blank. If you have 47 people in your company, allow each one of those 47 to tell you exactly to the T how they want to experience work at your organization. As long as they are getting black, tactical, black and white things that are connected to the financial metrics of the organization living and growing, which every single competent, responsible employee will. That's another thing. Let me just say this. It really chaps my ass <laughs> where, where, where companies are fearful that productivity is going to drop. Listen, dude, if you don't have 47 employees that are mature and accountable enough to support you in the structuring and strategizing of how they're going to get work done that they know need to get done so that the financial engine can keep moving, if they're not responsible and, 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 and um, accountable enough to help you co-create that, if you're afraid they're going to take advantage of the system, then they shouldn't be in the company in the first place. How is that for an aha moment? So back to the punchline, I'm very confused about organizations that are struggling with this work. I really, really am. Your employees will tell you what's up, guys. So the punchline is the following. As I think about the great resignation and as I think about the reasons why this is where it is, these are all, all the reasons and there's so much more. And it could simply be fixed by applying an employee's first mindset. It could simply be fixed by living heavily into transparency, living heavily into conversation. Let your people guide you. Let your people tell you where to go. Every manager should be trained on how to be a facilitator and a coach and a strategist. You know what great, you know what great sports coaches do? This is my final statement. A lot of great coaches of the NFL, NBA, they're quite literally like 60, 70 years old, 50 years old, out of shape. They can't physically show LeBron James or physically show Lamar Jackson how to run a play better or how to shoot better. They can strategize and coach and facilitate what they naturally have. And it's the same thing I need you guys to do today. Educate your employees on what it actually looks like and what you need from them to get things done and keep the financial machine moving. Educate them on what that looks like within each department and within each role. And then let them guide the way on how to get there. And just facilitate and be a coach to them. You tell LeBron James, we need to win a championship. Now you tell me, LeBron, what you need from us. It's that simple. It's that simple.